welcome to Let's Talk Period, the podcast for people who want all things real, raw and reputable where we smash taboos and break down stigmas. I'm your host, Isabella Gosling, and I am back with the first guest episode after LTP's little break, and I am so excited to share it with you. Today's episode is with Georgia Seymour-Smith, endo-warrior, pleasure activist, and founder of Meet Rosie. Georgia was diagnosed with endo, and she's turned her pain into her passion and struggles with painful sex into launching Meet Rosie. In this episode, we also chat around the lack of pleasure-focused conversations growing up as well as now and why that is, Georgia's experience being diagnosed with endo and the abnormal symptoms she had, the most challenging part of living with endo, as well as the parts that she's grateful for, all about Meet Rosie and how she launched in Feb this year, plus what's coming up for Georgia and Meet Rosie, plus so much more. Now, here's Georgia. Georgia, welcome to Let's Talk Period. I am so excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Oh, I can't believe it. it feels like ages ago that we like aim it, but I don't know. It's like one of those things of like it's been ages, but it hasn't actually been that long. Yeah. Time no, is weird. Totally <laughs> yeah, I know. It flies and also goes like slowly at the same time. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if you listen to the podcast, but when I start each episode, I do the same thing with each guest that comes on and we always start with how you've nourished your body today. So can you share with the listeners what you've done to nourish yourself today? Sure. Well, I woke up and got, went to the gym, which I feel like everyone, when you say nourish, everyone kind of thinks about what you're eating. But I find that going to the gym is like the best thing for me. And it's really changed um, the way, like the relationship that I have with my body, the amount of care that I take for my body. So woke up, went to the gym. That's my favorite thing to do. Had a solid breakfast. And yeah, I'm here today. I love that. And exactly, I think people do sort of tend to like go straight to like food when it comes to nourish. But yeah, like there's so many different things that you can do to nourish yourself rather than just just eating. For sure. And even like even a day in bed watching Netflix, eating some chocolate, like that's nourishment as well. Sometimes you need to like, you know, lean into the more like chill aspects to nourish, like just listen to your body and do whatever you feel is best because you know, we all love a day in bed and Netflix. It's very hard. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I am a huge fan of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next question I always ask as well is all about managing our health and whether we're living with a chronic illness or not, there's still lots of items, therapies, people and strategies that assist us when it comes to managing. Is there something that you'd recommend to the listeners for them to include in their repertoire? Sure. Yeah, I honestly think that actually like spending the time to find the right you know GP gynecologist physio whatever sort of specialist there is for you in your area like actually finding someone that you click with and that listens to you I'm sure you hear this all the time but for me that was like important I would hear it day in day out it's it's needed It's, it's totally like it took me probably close to a year to find the right gynecologist but um it's definitely been a game changer. Like when I went and saw the girl that I see now, who's absolutely amazing, it was like on the first appointment, we just clicked. She listened to me. She understood. 
um, and she just, you know, action. So I think like doing that. Also, probably my biggest tip is like investing in your mental health. So for me, that meant I did a, like a um, CBT course with a psychologist. I actually did group therapy for that with a bunch of girls who have endo as well, which was really, really oh, good. Like so I can, cool. I, I highly recommend it because it was very like, you know, all of the activities that we did related to our endo and we learned tools that were more specific to like flare ups and stuff like that. So that was amazing. Um, and also, yeah, exercising most days for me really helps with the mental health. I think when you are or when you do experience sort of chronic pain, being able to keep on top of your mental health is like a must. Otherwise, you'll just let it get the better of you. And, you know, I really like I really try and not let my endo get the better of me. I want to like be in charge of my life. So definitely learning some tools to have on the bad days really help. Oh, yeah, and that brain is just the control centre for everything. So that's 100%. sort of like the number one focus. And then you can manage when things sort of all go to shit Yeah. <laughs> um, because you've got those strategies and you can go, okay, wait, I'm not going to let this control me. I'm controlling it. For sure. I think like a lot of people, you know, when you think of a going to see a psychologist, like some people are sort of drained by the thought of it, of having to talk about themselves and like, you know, be a little bit selfish for a minute. A lot of people don't like doing that. So that's why I say going to group therapy is really, really helpful. If you have something, you know, local, you can find something online for people going through a similar situation to you. It's great because you can it, you also get the chance to listen to other people who have kind of gone through that experience and you know maybe like then and there in the appointment you can't think of something that you've gone through an example or a way to get through it but listening to other people kind of go oh actually yeah that has happened to me and maybe next time that would be good to do yeah I think that's such a good suggestion and I really think that needs to happen more often so I think group therapy yeah you know something that needs to become more prevalent because I think a lot of people like we see online the endo community shares stories there but I think having like that professional setting that is focused and gives practical strategies would be so helpful yeah yeah and it's definitely out there like just get on Google, <laughs> go onto Facebook, Good old like, Google. find some groups because it's it's all out there. There's there's anything that you, you know, if you think that something could be helpful, then someone else probably th- has thought of that before and actioned it. So go online, have a look because I'm sure that you'll find, you know, a group for, yeah, whether it be Endo or Adeno, anything like that, like, you know, there's something out there for you. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Yeah. Now, I know you've just touched on your endo a little bit. Um, I'd like to backtrack slightly yeah. and chat all about periods because it's mm-hmm. let's talk period. Yeah. Um, so, of course, we've got to talk about periods. <laughs> I'd love to know what your experience was growing up around periods. Were they discussed openly with your friends and family or was it something that was considered to be hush hush and you know did you think that there was anything sort of wrong or what sort of led you to think there might be something not quite right there yeah well I went to an all-girls school which I feel like um, does give a little bit of an advantage because there are like boys around to like laugh I feel like boys sort of are the ones that tend to make fun of it like oh haha you're you're on your rags like you've got your period like 
moody, you know, those sorts of things that boys say. So I think going to an all-girls school was a massive advantage because that sort of added layer of stress when you are going through puberty and things are awkward was just taken out. That's not to say that, like, you know, it wasn't still, it was always a little bit awkward, but it was you know, a little bit more open. Like if you needed a tampon at school, you could just ask your friend. It wasn't like, ooh, she's got a period, yuck. Um, and we didn't have to hide any of that sort of stuff, which was really probably wholesome. Like I feel like a lot of a lot of women, you know, didn't get that experience. So that was good. Also, my my mother, she's a godsend, she was like, she made a very conscious effort to make periods and you know talking about sex and all of that um very open in our family it was more like a dinner table subject than anything you know that you had to like think about and we never like sat down and had the sex talk like there was just lots which was good um so yeah I think for me it was pretty open which is probably what led me to realize that something wasn't quite right um but then again like I did have probably about seven or eight years of very normal periods before anything went wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was, you know, I didn't really like, I kind of knew what it was like to have normal periods. And then once I started, you know, experiencing period pain and all of the things that come along with having endo, I was like, this is not right. And I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think having that like baseline of like, you already know what's normal for you and then something changes and you're like, Hey, wait a minute. No, this yeah. isn't, this isn't right. Yeah. Um, and I love that talking about periods and sex and all things in between with open topics in your family household. Yeah. Um, I know that's not the case for everyone. So that is a really lucky position to be in. Yeah. I would love to know school wise, when it came to conversations around periods and sex ed, were those topics that were discussed or did you have sex ed at school or what was that like for you? Yeah, we did have sex ed at school, but it was very like, it wasn't focused on pleasure or anything like that. It was really like, this is sex. You make a baby by having sex, so don't have sex. And if you do this is how you put a condom on sort of thing. Like it was very, yeah. <laughs> um, very medical, I guess, our sex ed. Um, I don't even know what sex ed is like in schools now because I don't really know anyone young. But, uh, yeah, for us it was very like there was no talk of pleasure or, you know, not even like, yeah, what is an orgasm, right, not even that sort of thing. Like it was just this is what happens when you do have sex. It was run by our PE teachers as well, which I feel like yeah. a lot of people had and, I don't know, maybe maybe they're yeah, healthy. They're just oh, tasked with yeah. the job. Of- <laughs> <laughs> maybe the education department should think about that and, you know, run a program or something that goes around the schools because it's very important that we have professionals teaching, you know. A lot of the time, like kids, like kids are going through puberty. I think the, the average age for girls to like start going through period is like eight or nine now. So we need to start having these conversations pretty young. And if you're just a, you know, if you're just a PE teacher that's been slapped with the task, you probably don't know the right wordings. And I think having someone that, you know, is professionally trained to teach about these sorts of things and, you know, age appropriately as well, obviously, like you wouldn't say the same thing to a 16-year-old as you would a nine-year-old. So taking that into account probably would help as well. But yeah, we had sex ed. It was just very basic. 
gap. (laughs) And I think that's so important. Like I feel like the PE teachers or like even any teacher that gets tasked with doing that, it's like a very awkward position to be in. Um, I'm a primary school teacher, so I can't even, well, yeah, I'm a primary school teacher and a nurse, but like I can't (laughs) like um, fathom that discussion with like high school students who they might not want to discuss that with their teacher because that's not really like a safe space or something like that. So I think having that third party come in who that's their job, they create those spaces and there's no, they don't have to see them all the time. They don't have to be worried about asking questions because, you know, I'll see Mrs. Smith in fourth period PE, um, just having that person come in, ask all those questions and then that person leaves again. Um, I think that's really helpful as well. So it's sort of like removes that element of awkwardness in a way and the other person that would come in that's their job so they so used to doing that rather than the teacher perspective getting all hyped up to go and talk to a bunch of grade 11s about sex so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I um yeah I think that that would be like you know so helpful in our schooling system um just even just like because like as you said you know it can be awkward to talk about sex in first period and then in sixth go and run the oval with the same teacher um so yeah just having someone that is trained in how to create those sort of safe spaces because I feel like kids are like I definitely felt a lot of pressure to not ask questions Mm. in that sort of class so just like you know having someone that is trained to maybe ask more provoking or sort of say more provoking statements that make you want to ask questions yeah I think that that would be like the best thing I mean, we can always talk about what would and should be, but I think that it it needs to happen. Definitely. And I know there's like steps going forward for consent education and things like that, but I think this would be like a great next step um, for that. So I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we can make that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) um to continue along our chat about endo though so you had that normal period for quite a few years and then things sort of went awry and you're like hey this isn't right what was that sort of journey like for you I know people with endo hate that word journey but it really is sort of a journey because you start and you've got your ups and your downs and then you come out the other side and it's such a whirlwind so I'd love to touch on sort of from when you were noticing things weren't right to sort of when you got diagnosed with endo Mm. well when I was 19 I had um, some abnormal cells in a pap smear. So, well, what basically happened was I had a bit of breakthrough bleeding through the pill. I'd been on the pill since I was like 14. So it had been, yep, five years and I was having some breakthrough bleeding. So I went to a theater gynecologist. We did a smear test and some abnormal cells came up. But that was like, it was very, it was nothing really. Um, And the, the doctor, she kind of, noted towards perhaps having some endo symptoms and so she told me to just take the pill non-stop and not have a period so pretty much didn't have a period for a very long time and I started getting this was like probably three or four years later some really intense cramps like just randomly obviously I didn't have a period so it wasn't couldn't track when it was yeah I couldn't track it but yeah (laughs) But, um, I mean, when you're on the pill, it's not really even a real cycle yeah, anyway. Exactly. But there's nothing to um, 
to sort of go off of. So I was just having some bad cramps that kind of felt like a stitch. That was the only way that I could describe it. And um, I went to see, well, there was one particular day. Um, I feel like a lot of people have a lot of build up for me. It was just like, there was one day I woke up and it was unbearable. I went to the gym because I thought it was just a stitch and it didn't go away. So then I like went to work and I was just not having a good time. So I left and went to like just the like local doctor's clinic. It wasn't even a a GP that I'd ever seen before. I just needed to see someone. Yeah. They're like, oh, I think you've got um, uh, appendicitis. You need to go to the hospital right now. Um, But it wasn't appendicitis. (laughs) Went Mm -hmm. to the hospital and had all the scans and they basically just said you have a like a bladder infection, like a UTI that had gone up into my bladder. Um, So I took antibiotics for that. Antibiotics didn't work. Um, So I took another course of a different type and then it did work. But as soon as the antibiotics stopped, pain came back. So then I started, um, yeah, I actually sort of made the effort to find a GP that I really liked then because I was like, all right, there's something going on. I want to make a relationship Mm. with someone who knows. And I did, thankfully, I found a lovely GP who probably was like the reason that I ended up even getting a diagnosis because she just pushed and rooted for me and you know found all the right people and I I ended up going and getting a um, laparoscopy before they even knew that I had endo before it was even a thought they thought um, we're just going to go and have a look and see look at your appendix because at this stage they still thought it was my appendix perhaps having some like pre-appendicitis sort of mm-hmm. flare-ups and it was then that they found the endo so I then had another surgery down the track to deal with the endo and get it out but um yeah that was sort of I guess my journey my main symptom which I don't know how many other women have this but my main symptom was chronic UTIs and that was like the most um like hard thing to deal with was you know waking up in the middle of the night feeling like I'm gonna like wet the bed at like 21 22 years old it's pretty humiliating to feel like that and um then just be like you know in pain there were days that I had to miss work because I hadn't slept because I'd been in pain all night like that was more um more debilitating for me than periods or um yeah anything like that it was it was really the UTIs that got to me and I think that's really important to highlight because so many people think that endo is just that you know that typical set of symptoms painful periods heavy periods and that's it but there's like a huge range of symptoms for endo and not everybody has the same symptoms which does make it difficult to diagnose unfortunately um but yeah I think highlighting that just because you don't have every single symptom on that list doesn't mean that you might not necessarily have that and it's still important to investigate it even if you don't think you have endo because you may very well do. A hundred percent like the reason that I do get these chronic UTIs is because I had endo on the nerve that services my bladder so it's not even a UTI it's just the feeling of a UTI constantly because I've got nerve damage which sucks but luckily we live in you know the 21st century and um, there's medications that can help so I've been taking um, a a medication that has really really helped now I don't really ever get those 
I guess, UTI phantom pains, unless I forget to take my medication for like three or four days, then I'm just an idiot and (laughs) that's my (laughs) fault. But um, at least I know like I've got something that's got you back. That's why it's important when you do like going back to sort of talking about finding the right doctors, like just making sure if you get a random symptom that you've never had before, write it down in your phone so you can tell them because it might be that, you know, there is a reason and there is something that they can do that's just, you know, prescribing you a tiny dose of a medication that's life-changing. Like that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, exactly. And I think we so often dismiss things and are like, oh, no, that's nothing. I won't worry about it. But like making a mental note, writing it down, and then when you go to the doctor next, just be like, look, hey, I've had this happen. I just wanted to check is it related to this or is it nothing? I just wanted to flag it. And you know, if you just kept putting, dismissing that UTI as, well, I'm just getting UTIs all the time. Well, yeah. 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 Then I would be in a different situation now, but yeah, I definitely feel like for me, that was the most debilitating um, symptom and it was so easy to fix. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like, yeah, we're very lucky in the world that we do live in now. Definitely. I would love to touch on sort of what the most challenging part of having endo is for you. I don't like to dwell on the negatives, but I do like to be realistic and, you know, having endo is no walk in the park. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, as I said before, I really try to not let my endo get the better of me. Um, I've seen a lot of girls get like very overtaken by their endo, which obviously I'm not discounting. The pain is excuse my language, but it's fucked. So yeah. I can, <laughs> um, we can swear and, here. It's all yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I totally get it. But I think it's also, as I said before, like a big mental thing. So I try not to let myself like get down. But when I was going through those chronic UTIs, there were times where I was having some really scary thoughts because I was like, I can't not sleep for the rest of my life. I can't be awake every single night doing this it's humiliating I can't sleep at anybody else's house because I'm so frightened like it that was definitely the hardest part of having endo for me um yeah like yeah I've, I've sort of spoken a lot about it but, no yeah, sure. oh but like that's that's real and that's what affected you and mm. I think you know I I think a lot of people can relate to that and that fear of not being able to live life and you're like is this yeah. what it's going to be like for the rest yeah. of my life and yeah, all those so things you can't into, do. Yeah, there's so much that goes into, I guess, like those sort of thoughts, like when you aren't, like I wasn't sleeping because I was scared that I was going to wet the bed from my UTIs. So then because of that, I was obviously like up all night thinking and that's when, you know, you start to like dramatise everything that's going on and then I was like oh my gosh this is not good I can't do this I can't live like this I'm never gonna you know be able to have a successful easy life like I'm never gonna be able to do anything fun and that is when you know real like real bad things happen when you're in that sort of mental state so like going back to sort of what I was saying about finding like something like a mental health routine that works for you to sort of get you up out and sort of catch yourself in those thoughts yeah that's the biggest thing yeah and I think it's that vicious cycle and the thoughts feed in so I think you're so right with having that sort of go-to plan of what you do Mm -hmm. to support your mental health Um, because it is easy to get caught up in when you're having a bad time. So having that plan set out for when you're going good and not stopping it just because you're feeling good is so important. 
hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to focus on the positives. What's something that Endo has given you or something that you're thankful for, for having Endo? So it's a bit of a random one. No, I, I really love this question. I, I said that um, I think Endo has given me a new outlook on life, to be honest. I feel like that's so cliche to say, <laughs> but it's definitely given me a newfound passion for female health and pleasure and all things that go along with that. Um, you know, like fuck the patriarchy and all of that has come along with it like um, I (laughs) I think it's really just helped me harness in a passion that I have for helping people and helping women as well like I think you know yeah I just that's what it's given me it's just given me a new sort of yeah look on life and passion and yeah yeah, it just sort of drives you in a direction that you probably wouldn't have been in if it weren't for having endo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it also helps you sort of look at women in a whole new life, like uh, light. Sorry, where like we're amazing. Like we deal with all of this, you know, stuff, and we, you know, give birth, and we all work full time now. Like, there's so many things. Like, what can't we do? Yeah, we're pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, the best. The best. <laughs> um. Diving into that sort of passion side of things, and I am so excited to chat all about this. I want to talk about Meet Rosie or Rosie. Um, From the conversations you had with your family growing up around sex and pleasure and then your experience with endo, um, you created Meet Rosie recently. It's launched recently. I would love to know about how the idea sort of came to fruition and what it was like from idea to launching, um, launched in February. Yeah. Well, um, I'm excited to chat too. Yeah. And honestly, like having endo is what drove me to start Meet Rosie, which is a female pleasure company for those who don't know. Um, And to be honest, having like experiencing painful sex was my main driver because it's very like a debilitating again, going through painful sex and not feeling yeah. like, like as a partner, not feeling like I was connected to him because I couldn't have sex, which is a big part of a, a relationship. And so, you know, obviously we needed to delve into external stimulation a little bit more. And that's where, you know, having a good old trusty vibrator, that helped. So I thought, you know what, that I was sort of like, you know, perusing the internet, looking around. And I just thought that there was nothing cute looking. I know that that sounds really like weird and I, I know a little bit obnoxious, but I, no, I just. But a lot of things can be very intimidating. and Yeah. And like no yeah. one wants a big old vibrator that looks like a vibrator, like that you have to hide under your bed. Like a lot of, a lot of girls, you know, if you live with your parents or you have housemates or something, you don't like want them to, I don't know, go through a drawer and just find your big you know, want, like, obviously everyone knows what that is. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to create something that looks cute and is discreet within itself so that there's no need to worry about any of that. Um, I don't know if you can hear, but my cat is going crazy, right? (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I can't. Okay, good. Um, Yes. So that sort of brought me to creating something that looked cute. And I wanted something that you can just leave beside your bed on charge at all times. And no one's really going to know, which is, you know, where having a cute little rosy with a hole in the top that kind of just looked like a diffuser. 
that was sort of my my vibe. So yeah, I really wanted to, you know, help girls who do go through painful sex, you know, have something that can help them even just relax. Like sometimes I feel like just having an orgasm actually gave me like the relaxation to be able to have sex, like penetrative sex, I'm talking mm. about. Um and so yeah, that's that's sort of how it came to idea. Uh, sorry that's how the idea came to me and then I guess from there I had to like you know build a brand which was the harder part Um, (laughs) I guess yeah like trying to work out you know what colors I wanted how to like I really just wanted Rosie to be like me in a box like my kind of personality in a box like there's I think that comes through so well as well (laughs) like like it's red and pink and orange and my favorite colors like literally I would paint my whole house pink if I could um so yeah I I really just wanted to portray that in the brand and also I wanted everyone to sort of feel how passionate I was about the brand within it because like I really 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 am passionate about you know women being able to take control of their own pleasure and not having to rely on anyone else whether that be another man or another woman to you know give that to you like you've got your pleasure in your own palm. I love that so much um because I think it's so goal-focused a lot of the time, sex, and there's such a narrow-minded vision of what sex is, like we were saying um, about leading up to being able to even have penetrative sex. People only consider penetrative sex to be the one type of sex. So I think definitely popping that into the palm of your hand and taking matters into your own hands and being able to sort of expand what sex is for you yeah um is so important and being able to sort of have that control and for lack of a better word I guess like I don't even know what I was trying to say lost my train of thought (laughs) um okay yeah I've got it (laughs) sorry um taking matters into your own hands and being able to sort of you can sort of direct what's going on and especially when you come to painful sex that external stimulation can sometimes be all that is able to happen and I think for a number of years it's been just considered that well you just can't have sex at all and like you've shown that that's definitely not true yeah exactly I think um I think it's so important for us as women especially to realize that we don't actually have to give to have sex like mm. a lot of women you know it kind of comes into you know women give and have sex and then the man orgasms and that's it that's not the case like we've no. got a friggin clitoris we've got 8000 nerve endings in this one tiny tiny little like pinprick of an iceberg so I think like we were literally built to harness our own pleasure and why not have tools that can get you there? Yeah, to help us along the way. Exactly. And I think that's such an important point you make around like women being the givers and then not getting anything back. And I think that's a conversation that is so prevalent even in 2022 around female pleasure and it's sort of shrouded in stigma and taboo and shame and something that shouldn't even really be discussed why do you think that that's still the case 
I think the patriarchy, to be honest, really, <laughs> like, it, like from the get-go as a woman, we've been taught to serve men. And, like, that sort of, you know, comes in anything from way back when men went and worked and women stayed at home and, you know, fed the kids and then you, your husband would come home from work and sit on the couch and watch sport and you would have to cook dinner and, you know, do everything before even getting a break. Like, I think, you know, that's sort of where it comes from. And now, obviously, we live in 2022. Like, women have to go to work because being alive is expensive yeah so you know (laughs) there's so much that goes into like now there are a lot of women who go to work full-time come home do all the housework and the men just go to work for 40 hours a week and come home and do nothing so yeah as I said just being like taught to sort of serve your husband the whole time which makes me feel literally ill saying Mm -hmm. that but even going back to like sex ed like you know we're all taught no one was really taught about the female orgasm we were taught about you know having a man come inside you makes a baby but what about the girl um I saw something maybe it was an Instagram post or something but I said like but it said um if if women had to orgasm to have babies there'd be a lot less of us around (laughs) and it's so true (laughs) yeah it is and I guess that's like so true with the sex ed comment as well because that ejaculation has to happen to make a baby so therefore that's sort of like that male pleasure or that release Mm -hmm. there's no inverse to that with the female side of things and taking it back to the top of the conversation where we were saying like there was no mention of pleasure or anything around that it was basically like if you have sex you'll get pregnant it just reminds me of the mean girls thing like if you'll have (laughs) sex you'll get pregnant and die (laughs) literally I was actually thinking about that when um when I saw that question um yeah no I honestly it's a full circle thing and you know like this is a little bit of a sidetrack but if there are any men listening to this I still think that like the patriarchy does negatively affect you as well and a lot of men you know a lot of men are kind of I guess threatened by the rising of uh feminism because you know they feel like you know, they've sort of grown up with all this power and the world revolving around them. But actually, like, you know, as a man, you're so, like, I guess, pressured to not have feelings and not experience mm-hmm. emotion. Like, that comes from the patriarchy as yeah. well. It's like, it all upholds of, it. Yeah. And like, it's, it's totally fine as a man to have a cry. Like, there's no problem with that. Just like if you're a woman, that it's totally fine to, you know, be a powerhouse and, you know, do whatever you want to do within that like I just think the patriarchy is an issue that affects everyone not just females so we need to you know smash it yeah (laughs) oh exactly (laughs) and yeah I think oh men are so affected by it as well because you know there's all that toxic masculinity and the bros Mm -hmm. and not being able to show feelings or you're weak for crying or having anxious thoughts and things like that so I think it's such an important note and you know I'm not sure how many guys listen to the pod but if you do (laughs) welcome (laughs) we love you yes (laughs) Uh, back to Rosie chat though I would love to know like you built the brand and basically put you in a box um (laughs) was there anything sort of surprising or something that you know you didn't expect or eye-opening when you were trying to develop the product 
I think just how long everything takes. Like I kind of thought like, yeah, sort of had the, I guess I started like working on it, you know, probably eight months before, um, before Rosie actually came out to the market. Um, And yeah, I really honestly thought it would be like a two month thing product here done. No, it was definitely not that. Like it took the full eight months to get the product developed, branding done, packaging done, and then get it here. It took that whole time. And then, you know, within that there's building a brand and, you know, actually like finding some people that are like-minded to you and working with them to sort of help build your brand, just like yourself. You're like very special to me. So yeah, I think um, just, yeah, yeah. Just honestly, the amount, like if you want a quick, you know, a quick buck, don't, don't start a business because yeah I think if you're going into it for the money it's not gonna work out well because (laughs) don't because it takes so long and it's a lot of like you know sleepless nights and yeah I saw um a meme and it was like oh I quit my full-time job to work for myself so I could like work less hours and then it's like well now I work like from 6 a.m to like midnight like seven Literally. days a week yeah, and no, it's like not the same sort of work, work 24 7 yeah it's yeah. like a passion thing but yeah it's like now I don't work for someone else I just work for me all the time yeah a hundred percent and you know I think as long as you've got passion like you'll never work a day in your life so I think that's sort of where it comes into it but if you're not passionate about something don't worry about it just just get a job it's easier exactly that's it if it's not a passion and you're just wanting the money from it no leave it bye (laughs) no no 100% I just want to help people like honestly I don't even care if Rosie makes any money at all like I just want more women to feel comfortable in their own pleasure and it's amazing like how the business is going already so I can't wait to sort of you know show what's next and yeah, uh, yeah I'm really excited uh, I always see your Instagram stories of like where you're <laughs> posting to and I'm like oh my gosh international oh we're going to Canada yeah we're over here we're over there and so I'm much like, yes, to Canada. Girl. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> yeah it's fun I love I was a little bit um nervous to you know launch with international because it it is kind of a scary thing but um no I'm I'm so happy that I did it now because it's really cool to just think like oh my gosh these people from like Germany know who I am and like you know trusted me with their pleasure like that's amazing yeah it's like a cool responsibility to have yeah yeah Yeah. 100% Oh, speaking of sort of what's coming up next, I'd love to know what's in the pipeline. What can we look forward to from you and meet Rosie? Well, I am working on some new products, which is very exciting. Um, we were only sort of chatting before before this podcast about how having a suction vibrator is sort of like a second a second sex. Point. Yeah, generally yeah. most people start with a wand or a bullet or something like that because it's a little bit less intimidating and you know very easy to just done so I'm sort of you know delving down that sort of line of things which I'm really really excited for and I think it'll be cool you know eventually I sort of uh, my vision for Rosie is to have like heaps of different products and you can kind of take your pick at what you want and what you like and if you don't like something cool you don't have to have it if you want to try something else great like I see everything so just sort of plodding along with those 
one at a time like that's yeah that's the goal oh amazing expanding the brand and yeah. the product range that you offer yeah 100% amazing (laughs) I can't wait to see that all happen um on that note I'd love to know what you'd like to see change within the pelvic health space I think just more doctors taking women seriously with their health because it's absolutely not normal to be stuck in bed for a few days when you get your period like just know that if you get period pain that you know means that you're stuck in bed you have to take sick leave because you know you've got your period that's not normal like go and talk to someone and if if your doctor even if it's your family doctor that you've been seeing for you know 18 20 years like if they don't believe you find someone else because there's going to be someone out there that listens to you cares for you respects you and that person actually this is something else I want to say that person doesn't have to be a female doctor like a lot of women tend to look towards female doctors because it can be easier to chat with someone Mm. who relates but there are also some absolutely outstanding male you know GPs and gynecologists out there I see a male GP so yeah yeah yeah, they're fantastic they're very good like my experiences with male GPs are probably better than with females like overall I've probably had more success with male than female GP so don't feel like you have to go and see a woman if you live in a you know a smaller area and there's not many options for GPs you'll probably have a great male there or yeah so yeah my biggest thing is just find someone that actually takes you seriously because it's worth it oh I could not agree more um Mm -hmm. and if you are living in a smaller area there's always telehealth COVID is like a good thing for that thankfully that's really expanded telehealth and makes things so much easier so you've got more options of who you can see so definitely find that person who is gonna be your cheerleader exactly you want someone that's rooting for you and actually wants the best for you yeah is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners today Georgia i I feel like we've gone through so much like there's going to be a lot of like I guess unpacking for me after this that um, (laughs) I think yeah my my biggest sort of I guess piece of advice is yeah find someone that takes you seriously invest in your own mental health because it's so worth it like it's it's more important than you know a holiday or a new handbag or something like that like having you know a positive relationship with yourself is amazing and if you want to learn more about Meet Rosie under a little plug you can follow over on Instagram it's just Meet Rosie official and yeah I'd love to have you if you've got any questions about anything you know Isabella's here I'm here like <laughs> we're, we're, we're here for you and yeah yeah um and i'll pop all the links to george's socials for meet rosie in the show notes and all that good stuff but yeah thank you so so much for coming oh thank you so much for coming oh my gosh i'm so excited to have chatted with you today georgia thank you so much (laughs) thank you yes it was so it was so nice to chat and hopefully some people have yeah like you know got some good notes from this and feel a little bit more confident in maybe getting a new doctor. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Period with Georgia Seymour-Smith. If you want more from Georgia and Meet Rosie, you can follow her on Instagram at Meet Rosie Official. 
If you want to keep updated with all things Let's Talk Period, you can follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Period AU or TikTok because we're dipping our toe in the water over there. It's the same at Let's Talk Period AU. Don't forget that if you're craving community, you can also join the Let's Talk Period community on Facebook. It is the place for people with endo, adeno or PCOS or other chronic illnesses to ask questions, get support and just connect with others who get it. All the details to join it in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode today and want to support the show, it would be amazing if you could leave a rating and review on Apple or just a rating on Spotify and be sure to follow along on both just so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history.